This episode of Grease the Polls is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where you can bet $5 on any sport and win $200 in free bets instantly. All you need to do is sign up with the link in the description, and you'll get $200 instantly after you place your first bet of $5 or more. Everyone could use some extra betting money, so don't let this opportunity go to waste. And with that, let's get into the episode. What is going on, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Grease the Polls. So, I figured we just kick off this episode with our weekly um, Do We Believe in the Sixers now? Because last week, you know, we were pretty all one-sided in terms of, no, we don't. Because they were coming off a couple ugly losses. So here we are, fast forward one week. They snapped Milwaukee's 16-game winning streak. And then last night, Tuesday night, Joel Embiid put on another master class. They were able to beat um, Minnesota, right? That's who they played, Minnesota. Um, and now here we are. I think there's 17 games left, right? 17, 16, depending on who the team is. And we're right back to the question on everyone's mind is, you know, are, are the Sixers, like, can the Sixers actually do it this year? Is there, you know, like, I feel like this is the question we ask every year and every week, but, you know, the Sixers just, they drag us out and they drag us back in. That's just been the story of the process Sixers since the process began. So I'm just going to leave the floor open to you guys. Are, are, are we back in? Are we all the way back in now? I wouldn't say all the way back. All the way back. I'm definitely. Oh. Oh. So we're. Uh, Come we're, on. We're, 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 we're both positive, just with differing levels of positivity. I mean, I've absolutely been impressed by the Sixers starters. In uh, in these games, absolutely, they've been you know playing fantastic. Joel Embiid specifically, obviously James Harden dropping twenty assists the other night, uh, just fantastic play from him. Tyrese Maxey's coming back, you know, a little bit more into form here with twenty seven last night. Like, it's good. It's 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 good. I'm and and I'm happy to see the Sixers playing well, especially on you know a tough road stretch like that with a couple back to backs walking away. I think four and one with that maybe. Uh, so definitely, you know, positive signs. But what I'm still looking for is some contributions from the bench. Is any guy on the bench that can, you know, do anything? And obviously when the starters are cooking, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Because if Joel Embiid's dropping 39 points in, in 29 minutes, uh, yeah, I mean, that doesn't really matter at all what the, what, what the bench players end up doing. But still, I'm just waiting for the for the depth to kind of show through, even though the wins are, are great and they showcase the talent that we already know we have in, in some of the best players in the NBA with both James Harden and Embiid. But I'm still, you know, holding out for anything, you know, any sign of hope from the bench area. Well, you know, I, I understand that 100%. And Ryan, I, I, I get it. Because for years now we've seen it's a you know it's a five man rotation and then you know once it's time for the bench to step in the bottom falls out and you can't score right I think that honestly Jalen McDaniel has been a revelation to me this past week he stepped up stepped in the starting lineup uh, and you know. I, he, he, this is a guy that, unlike 
Matisse Thibault, Thibault, who, you know, was a great defender. I think, what was he, second team all defense in the NBA last year or something something ridiculous like that? Um, Yeah, like, didn't matter because come playoff time, couldn't score, was no threat to score, so you might as well have only had four guys out there on the floor on the offensive end. Jalen McDaniel actually can score, and that's a complete game changer. It helps everybody else out on the bench. And I think you're seeing that. I, I'm i perfectly honest with everybody. I think that I was maybe a little bit depressed about the Eagles still last week when I said all the stuff I said about how I didn't believe in the Sixers, how they're definitely going to lose again. I'm, I'm all the way bought in. I think that this team can really make a run. Like, I'm... I'm I'm throwing my hat back in the ring. Like I'm ready to get my heart broken again. Check in with me again <laughs> next week. It's probably gonna change. It's it's possible it's not just monopolar depression. Maybe it's bipolar depression. Maybe I'm gonna go real high and then real low. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, man, I'm telling you. They're they're cooking. They're out there. Four and one on that five game road trip. Terrible. That was a brutal road trip. It would have been it would have been very easy. They got their teeth kicked in on national TV by Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Like, it, they, they gave, what, 40 points to both of them? That's insane. They didn't quit. They hung in there, and they came back, and they finished strong. And that's all you can ask for. I do think there is something to be said for, like, the way they played in the second half of games this year. I mean, they definitely haven't rolled over as much which is obviously a good sign it shows that the team actually has heart this time around and that's something i feel like they've kind of lacked the past couple years um and then as far as the depth is concerned look when it gets to the postseason it's about your best guys and i think we can all agree that if joel Embiid didn't get nicked up the past couple years if james harden wasn't was actually in shape last year um, we probably would have beat Miami and actually got into the Eastern Conference Finals, and then who knows what would have happened. But, like, that's been the tale of every Sixers playoff collapse. It hasn't been, oh, well, they, their depth isn't good. It's because Joel Embiid's been nicked up or Ben Simmons forgets how to play basketball. Like, it's about the best players. You know what I'm saying? It's not about – like, J- the McDaniel isn't going to be the difference between us – winning championship this year or not it's going to be Embiid and it's going to be hard and it's going to be maxi right and then whoever else like tobias pj tucker the starting five essentially and when you look at the eastern conference like you know we always talk about how the western conference is the the superior conference but i think this year it's pretty obvious it's the eastern that's better i mean the bucks celtics and sixers and the Cavs all have 40 wins the only team in the west that has 40 wins is the nuggets um I just think getting through the Eastern Conference is almost a bigger task than actually winning the finals. You know what I mean? Like, I think whoever comes out of the East is going to be favored in a finals matchup. Um, And when you look at the West, the only team that, like, would scare me is Phoenix because, obviously, they have KD now. But – and, like, the Mavericks are interesting as well, obviously, because they have Kyrie. But, I mean, look, if we get a Jokic and Embiid final – like, do we? Did any of us actually have doubt that that, that we'll never that get it? Slob is gonna fucking beat Embiid in the finals. Like, no, he's not. 
His beautiful passes are going to be fun, and ESPN is going to love it. But Embiid's going to win that match. Like that's that. Forget it being Sixers versus Nuggets. It's Embiid versus Jokic. Like it's it's like legacy on the line type of NBA Finals, right? Um, old school, right? Two best centers in the league. Like that's like we're going back to the fucking eighties. Like when's the last time that ever happened? That would actually be really fun. But my point is. I think getting through the Eastern Conference is the bigger test, and I think the Sixers are well-equipped to do that. The only team that really, you hope, gets knocked off before the Conference Finals is Boston. And I mean, maybe that happens, maybe that doesn't, but you know, at the end of the day, you do have to go through the best to be the best. So if it, was, if it did come down to us and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, then so be it. But um, I think as long as Embiid is healthy and, and – and, and Harden as well. Harden's looked like he's been in much better shape all season, a lot more balance in his step, and he actually can hit shots at the end of the game. Um, they ha- they have a shot. Like, they have a shot. And it feels like that's, like, the first time in a while that maybe they've actually – like, they have two two perennial all-stars, two all-time greats, and they're playing really well right now. I mean, Embiid's – you could argue this is the best basketball he's ever played. Um, so – just stay fucking healthy. For the love of God, just stay healthy. That's really, I think, all all that really matters at the end of the day. Absolutely. I mean, him staying healthy is definitely important, but, I mean, he's not going to be playing 48 minutes every playoff game. And those minutes with him off the floor the last three years have been fucking devastating from a plus-minus perspective. Just, we go up 10, Joel checks out for two minutes, it's a tie game. Like, so in situations like that, absolutely. I mean, it's the NBA is a star-driven league. Basketball, there's five guys on a team or uh, on the court at any time. And, of course, you know, if you've got two fantastic players in Joel Embiid and James Harden, you're obviously going to have an advantage. But you need guys that you can depend on outside of those guys. If all if Maxi, Harden, Embiid all score 30, that's still only 90 points. That doesn't win you an NBA game. You need guys that you can trust in big moments, especially when those guys aren't on the floor. And you can stagger lineups all you want. But, I mean, Golden State has obviously some of the best players in history, but that was also one of the deepest teams in the NBA. Take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks and their copious postseason runs. One of the deepest teams in the NBA. We see it with the Celtics, too. Where, obviously, I mean, Joel Embiid is probably going to go out and dominate every night, but... We see James Harden have off shooting nights. We see Tyrese Maxey. Like, we don't really even know what he is going to be come playoff time. Obviously, I have high hopes. But having a guy like Jalen McDaniels coming off the bench, just providing a spark in any way, having somebody that can not replace Joel Embiid, but just stop the bleeding so that man can take a fucking drink of water and breathe. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that uh, maybe people take for granted because you don't remember their names. Uh, because, you know, they weren't the ones dropping 30. But, like, Sean Livingston on those Golden State teams was hitting daggers in the mid-range constantly. And I'm not saying, like, oh, he he's the deciding factor, but definitely the fact that then Steph Curry and those guys are able to be confident in their ability to just play their game and dominate in their own way. Joel Embiid oftentimes feels like he has to do everything because he does to a degree. Obviously now with James Harden, definitely cooking at a degree that he was not last year just you know recovering from injury obviously his game is still bar none one of the best in the league but uh outside of those two guys and Tyrese Maxey like we got a whole basketball team to worry about we got like an eight-man seven-man playoff rotation and when those guys aren't on the floor and you know Doc Doc Rivers is not going to use them right so (laughs) we need (laughs) 
So you, you, you know he won't be <laughs> staying. The all-bench lineup will make an appearance in a playoff game. And if you don't have one guy on that team that can just get a bucket or play basic defense or maybe even try and be able to do both at the same time, you can't win a finals that way. You just can't do it. You can go far in the playoffs, but then you lose to the fucking Hawks because they had five guys that were hitting shots at any given point. So definitely need Joel Embiid healthy. Need James Harden healthy. Tyrese Maxey need him healthy and confident. But uh, definitely can't understate like the the value of the role player. Absolutely not. Like that's uh, and Embiid kind of lets us do that sometimes because he's so fucking dominant, dropping forty points in however many minutes. But it's just he can't do it all by himself. He, and the three of them can't do it by themselves either. They need a couple guys in there. So Jalen McDaniels has been great. And I, I, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what he can do because I, he could be a very valuable player come playoff time. I, I, I really do think so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, like, you know, the, the difference makers are going to be the difference makers, right? Like, you're right, 100%. Like, but at the same time, having a guy coming off the bench that, prov- that, that provides the threat to score that the defense has to account for is going to have just benefits that just trickle down that help those, you know, bench lineups that you see. And you're going to have a situation where, you know, Hey, maybe the lane will be clear for shake to, you know, you know, drive in and get a layup. Uh, Maybe the spacing will be there where, you know, George Niang can hit a corner three relatively uncontested and, that wasn't really something that happened all that often when you had Matisse Thibel no. on the floor. And in spite of how good he was on defense, he was such a liability on offense. He was bench Ben Simmons, basically. And it was just brutal. And, you know, yeah, once we get into the playoffs and, you know, the, the lineups get shorter and we'll see what happens. We don't know what's going to happen to playoffs till the playoffs happen. I, I think that really what we're looking at right now is this Sixers team everybody stays healthy which is the big if that's the big question can everybody stay healthy can Joel Embiid avoid having his face explode again you know can uh can James Harden avoid having his hamstrings you know just like you know can we avoid disaster from an injury standpoint, then there's no reason to think this team can't get out of the second round in spite of everything that we said last week about how they can't get out of the second right. round. Exactly. <laughs> it'd be, it, because we because we don't well, have, listen because to we us. haven't had a healthy fucking team in the playoffs. Absolutely not. And then when the, and the bench is yeah, good enough actually, to this help time, this time. There, 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 there might be a couple guys that that can step up in those moments. I mean, you take a look at the teams that beat us, too, in those second rounds. Atlanta Hawks had, like, seven guys. They just had Lou Williams coming off the bench, just, you know, running up the the score on our bench unit. Just disgusting. Fucking Max Struess. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent eviscerating my fucking heart and soul in Miami. Like, these guys that, you know, they come in and they're not supposed to make a difference, and they do, that's how you win a championship. Having Joel Embiid and those guys all healthy, playing at the top of their game, I mean, that's going to give you a damn good shot, but it does not guarantee anything. That's for sure. 
Yeah. No, I mean, no. I, I, I agree with you guys. I agree. Um, so, like I said, there's like 16, 17 games left. And really, I guess the goal, like, I don't really care about getting the one or two seed. As long as you're just top four, that's really all that matters. And the Sixers are pretty much. Yeah. We've been the like, one seed as we've long lost. As long as you can just avoid those top teams until, like, the Eastern Conference Finals, that's really the goal, you know. Um, and the Sixers are well-positioned for that, so that's fine. I, and really, I guess the goal for the rest of this year is, like you said, Frank, stay healthy and then just really try and cement that, you know, eight-man eight rotation that you're going to use in the postseason. One more goal. This is a goal, you know, I, I think that we should all have in mind. Um, that goal should be, let's get Joel Embiid the MVP award. Let's, let's find, let, let, let's, let's capture and compromise to a permanent end Bill Simmons <laughs> and, and the, the folks, folks over the Ringer. And finally get enough votes. Yes, those you guys eliminate did. Bill Simmons <laughs> and, and finally and push the Joel Chinese Embiid. reporters that can't watch Sixers games. Joel Embiid's three times MVP. <laughs> that's basically what I. That's basically a fact. <laughs> well, maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's a two time MVP and Giannis has one of them. Of course, like maybe you know. But yeah, like let's say let's say. Um, I I don't know. That's <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to interject with that. That's so much MVP. I hate it. Been going on. I hate it. I don't like it. It, it. It's I'm getting tired of it. It feels desperate. It feels needy. Like Joel Embiid is not gonna fuck you if you keep defending him. Like he's got he's he's got a lovely family already. He doesn't need that. But yeah, it's it's almost embarrassing now because at this point it's had like Embiid's lost twice. Anyone going to war for Joel Embiid? I don't know. It's like I can't think of a good analogy, which is disappointing. But it's it's just embarrassing. It's just like you've lost already. It's over. Like, please stop. Like, just enjoy Joel Embiid. Stop thinking about Nikola Jokic. I don't watch Nuggets games anymore. Fuck it. I'm done. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I like. It's just. I don't. Yeah. The finals is so much more important, and it's so not only so much more important as a fan. Obviously, like, I would much rather go to a parade than sit and watch Embiid's acceptance speech of the MVP trophy. Um, but for his own resume, his own Hall of Fame resume, like, obviously, an MVP is – it goes a long way. But if he doesn't win a title, I mean, that's that's what he's remembered as. He's not going to be remembered as the guy who won MVP once or twice. He's going to be the guy that never won the chip. I mean – Think about Charles Barkley. I think one one of the first things I think about when I think of Charles Barkley is the guy that didn't win it. He just didn't win it all. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be that. You know, no. you don't you don't want to be Steve Nash. You know what I mean? You don't want to be Steve Nash. You don't want to be these guys that racks up MVPs and doesn't win shit. You know, like Jokic, as far as I'm concerned, has as much of an MV or as much as a Hall of Fame candidacy as Joel Embiid does. They both haven't gotten to the finals you know they both haven't won it like his mvps are his mvps whatever but like i don't think either of them are they're both gonna be hall of famers one day you know what i mean like the foot but the the finals goes a much longer way like if he you know like i was saying if, if it if it came down to denver and philly in the finals and the sixers win it and Embiid wins 
the finals MVP, like, who's really the better player? You know what I mean? Like, everyone's going to yeah. know. It's one of those things. It's just like, yeah, like, he won those MVPs, but who won when it mattered most? And who won the finals MVP? Like, it's – Joel Embiid will go down as the superior center. Like, if that's how it – if that's how it shakes out. I kind of hope it does. I doubt it, but I kind of hope it does. It would definitely be, like, Twitter hell for me. I mean, that, that would definitely – it would. It, that, but it would be a great series, honestly. I think we would – we'd probably win that series as much as – even though I have respect for Denver's roster. I just think we're better. I, I just, you know, when push comes to shove, MB's a better player. One thing I think is so funny, though, and I've been, you know, you know a culprit of this, too, is kind of like – Oh, Jokic is for the stat nerds, and Embiid, it's all about the eye test. Because what's so funny is that Embiid is also performing at a... He's scoring 33 points a game at, like, 65% true shooting percentage. Like, I'm not a fucking analytics nerd. Simple, like, adding up numbers and dividing them, I'm good with that. But anything beyond that, I get a little... You know, I try to stay away from. But that in and of itself is, like, one of the best scoring seasons of all time. Up there with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, guys that are known as the best players in basketball that have one MVP. So the fact that Embiid is having one of the best scoring seasons in history after just doing it the year before as well is just, you know, something that I just feel like people ignore. People just kind of ignore Joel Embiid. Both, they don't really watch him play, which is annoying, but then also they like to look at the numbers for one guy, but then they just don't look at the numbers for somebody else. So those are the things I do, you know, just the just the little discrepancies in the logic that just don't really make sense to me. And now there's these entrenched camps, and it's just fucking, it's too much. It's too much. And like you said, Brian, the finals is what it's all it's about. It's so polarized. You play to win championships, and and that's that's really it. I this Charles Barkley. I'm sure Charles Barkley's won an MVP. I couldn't tell you what season. I don't care. Like I don't care when he won one. <laughs> I care about guys that won titles, and obviously that's something that is kind of oversaturated with the NBA these days, but it's a valid argument. Yeah, it's like, I mean, just think of, you know, the GOAT, Michael Jordan. I mean, everyone off offhand knows six championships. They know six rings. I don't know how many MVPs he won offhand. I'd have to look that up. You know is what I mean? four? See, I don't know. What's kind of the yeah, max you by can the get? way, is wild, wild fact is – if if Nikola Jokic wins uh, his third straight MVP, that will be a three-peat for him uh, before Jordan didn't get a three-peat. Neither did LeBron. Like, that's pretty crazy because, like, those are the two guys that are, like, consistently the GOAT argument, the greatest of all time. Those three guys couldn't put together three seasons where you didn't have voter fatigue, but Jokic does. That's pretty interesting. I'm not going to say anything about it other, other than, than other than I do stand your own with research. Kendrick Perkins. I stand firmly beside him. <laughs> I agree. It's. I don't think white people should be allowed to vote on the I, on the MVP listen. at all. <laughs> I, I I think we've been given too much power. I think it needs to be taken away. I like, <laughs> like to relinquish some power. Yeah, I think it's time to I, just, you know, I don't well, think this listen. is for us anymore. Like, I think we're, we're blowing it big time. We're not time. doing a good job. No, no, it's our, it's bad. <laughs> I, th- I, I think that there's, 
There's reasons outside of race that play into why Jokic is the guy um, that this is happening to. I think that there was so much, like, again, it's a term that, like, is created specifically for this is voter fatigue is like the guys in the press were tired of Giannis winning every year. And so they were like, Oh, look at these advanced stats. They say Jokic is the guy. And then they got really into advanced stats to the point where they were willing to overlook a bunch of other stuff where last year Embiid was, I think clearly the MVP of the league. If, if you're going off historical standard, now, this year, Jokic is having a better year than he ever had before, averaging, like, I think he's averaging a triple-double. Like, it's insane what he's doing. This is actually his strongest case for an MVP. But because of those other two years where these goofy writers got caught up in, you know, narrative horseshit, they're getting accused of being racist for Which they are. liking Jokic. <laughs> and, hey, you know what? I'm sure they're probably... <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's probably some part of them that's like, you know, you, you, you look at a doughy white guy out there just tossing dimes around the court, and you're like, all right. Jokic right. and I all have right. a similar body that type. That could be me out we're, there. We're, 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 we're shaped to the city, just, kind, yeah, of, just you know? kind of a, just kind of a, just there. We're both <laughs> pear-shaped. Yeah. He's seven foot tall, and I'm five foot three, but, you know. <laughs> If if I got that leg lengthening <laughs> surgery, yeah, maybe absolutely. I could do that. Uh, so it's like wish fulfillment, you know? Maybe, maybe. Uh, whatever. It's it's a stupid argument to have because media, it's a media I, award. Like like you guys, just, you know, win win a finals, just win a finals. I don't care about the yeah, MVP. I don't thing, either. I don't give a shit anymore. It was like I gave a shit the first year, and then after that, I was kind of like, I don't care. I want to win. A, I want to win a final. I want to win a final. Last year, no, I was yeah. the definition of that meme where the guy's like clenching his teeth and like crying because he's so yeah. angry. Like that was definitely me. Uh, but <laughs> that was definitely me. That was my full vibe. I'd open up Twitter and I'd just be like, I just, I, my eyesight would get blurry with rage and I'd be like, no, but don't you get it? He can, he's so, he moves like Kevin just, Durant. <laughs> just, just just masochistically going to uh what's his name oh. Harrison Wynn's page just just oh you know yeah just just trashing Embiid for no reason I, I just because people, he's a troll I hate them. you know yeah oh, I, God. I mean yeah. Embiid's not going to win it i mean that's just that's fine that's just the it's just the it's just the cold reality of the situation it is what Welcome. it is it is what it is playoffs matter more hopefully the sixers don't fall apart this time fingers crossed um yeah it would be nice that would be nice so i guess it's been a few weeks since we really like really since the super bowl when we had our little coping session um they really talked about the eagles much since then uh frank was still depressed last week so um yeah i mean it's we were all still depressed don't pretend like you guys are still depressed over it still it still hurts. It still yeah. definitely hurts. I, it's an open wound. I, I will say I was um, – I watched my Super Bowl video last night and, you know, high, high in my garage, high, high as a kite, and watching it, and I was like, damn, this is really – this is kind of sad. I was like, this isn't even – this is like – it's like still sad. It's just like making the video now, it's just like you look back on it, I'm like, yeah, it would have been a lot cooler if we would have won. You know, it's like Braveheart. It's exactly yeah. like Braveheart. Like, what a great speech! You, 
but no. You Sorry. Thanks for playing. Oh, oh, man. Who could forget? Who could forget when Andy Reid uh, ripped Jalen Hurts' <laughs> lungs out and showed them like to the I crowd said, 50 yard line? Like I said, exactly. The game. Like Braveheart. <laughs> Yeah, Just like Braveheart. It, it's still sad. <laughs> no, I, I hated it too. You know, I, I saw, dude, I saw a quote, uh, a, a tweet from like Kadarius Tony, and I like put a gun in my mouth. I was like, yeah, yeah it's know. still, it still stings, but look, it's the off season already. Free agency begins next week, literally a week from today. Is when it gets underway. We just got through the franchise tag period um, and all that good shit. The Eagles didn't give out any franchise tags because they're a well-run organization, so that's good. Um, but as we know, there are upwards of twenty pending free agents that the Eagles have to contend for this offseason. So here, I got, I got the whole list. I'll read it. I'll read everyone too, just so we get the full scope of everyone that's going to be a free agent. So. Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Jason Kelsey, James Bradbury, Isaac Sayamalu, Andre Dillard, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, Ndama Kung Su, Linvog Joseph, Boston Scott, Zach Paschal, Miles Sanders, Rick Lovato, our fucking long snapper. We're fucked. CJ Gardner-Johnson, Gardner Minshew, and then Marcus Epps. So, for those... So, the whole team. For those counting at home, those are... (laughs) 75% of those guys are starters, right? Um, As far as, like, Jason Kelsey, he's going to be back if he wants to be back. Like, that's really what his contract is, is he's not playing anywhere else. So, like, if if he retires, he retires. But if he's not retiring, he's going to be back. So, you can really scratch his name off. And then we know Brandon Graham uh, reportedly is working on a deal. It could be two years, $12 million, $6 million per year pretty solid probably takes him to the end of his career and he retires as an eagle so like that's good probably gonna keep the two two cornerstones on both lines intact so that's always good but we did hear i think it was today from adam schefter um which isn't really all that surprising um he said that the top three guys that are Arguably the top three players of ours that are about to be free agents, Javon Hargrave, James Bradbury, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, all on defense. Um, Adam Schefter said like, we're, they're likely going to be gone. Um, and the one that really stings or is really surprising is C.J. Gardner-Johnson because we did hear that the team was going to franchise tag him if they couldn't get a deal done. But obviously they don't want to use the franchise tag because they would have had to pay him $14 million this year. They really don't have the money to do all that. But still, um, we saw last night Garner Johnson was all over social media posting his farewell video, and it just kind of seems like he's done now, which which sucks because he was the one guy I felt like he was young, right? He's still only 24, 25, um, had a great season, and is a defensive guy you can build around. For years to come, right? You sign him to a four-year deal. He's here for his prime years, and he really, you know, embraces the city uh, more so than he already has. I mean, he's already been very, like, open to, you know, saying, I love Philly, I love this organization, I love everything about it. Um, but that is the nature of the beast, right? Like, that's, you know, especially now that we have to re-sign Jalen Hurts or hand him an extension, 
you're just not going to be able to pay everyone. Um, I just thought with Gardner Johnson, he was young. He was in his prime, where it's kind of different with Hargrave and Bradbury. They're both going to be 30 next year. Um, Bradbury, you're already paying Darius Slay about $20 million. So, like, you can't really pay two cornerbacks like that. That's reasonable. Yeah. And then Hargrave, while I was hopeful we could keep him, because we know you're probably going to lose Fletcher Cox, um, as soon as that $20 million a year tag came up as his estimated annual salary, I, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen either. So, those two, it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean – Garner Johnson, not only because he had a great year, but, like, he just is a Philly guy already. Like, had that – you know, it was similar to, like, LeGarrette Blount or Chris Long when they were only here for short periods of time, but almost immediately became fan favorites and, you know, embraced the city, embraced the fan base. The fan base loves them. Um, So it is a shame that – it looks like Gardner Johnson is not going to be back. I'm not going to say it's 100% he's not going to be back because I think he will test the market. And if Howie can, you know, come back with a deal that's maybe close but just a little under, maybe he decides to come back because he loves playing here. Who knows? But, yeah, it does suck. I don't want to lose CJ. I know you guys feel the same. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, when I, when I was typing up that blog last night about his farewell video that popped up, I was like – like it it, it kind of reopened the Super Bowl wound a little bit not that it was closed to begin with but I mean we all knew that this, it was going to be this team's like last ride as constructed it was going to be a one and done in town for one night only like let's go out and see what we can do with all this talent that we managed to you know just put around Jalen Hurts and you know I really thought that you know CJ was going to be one of the guys that we were able to keep I really did. And when I saw that he posted that video that he's likely on the outs, I knew I I had kind of already suspected Bradbury and, 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 and Hargrave were gone. But, I mean, those are really good players we're going to be losing. And not that I don't have confidence in the guys we already have under contract and, you know, our ability to go out and get, you know, good replacements at a good price. But I'm just kind of curious what the plan is. Not that I'm doubting the plan. I'm just kind of more like, okay – we're letting these guys go. What are we going to do? Obviously, we collect the compensatory picks. That's lovely. That's more capital for us to use to either acquire somebody else or, uh, you know, just draft a young stud. But I am kind of curious, like, what route are we going to take? Because I know where we're sitting right now uh, with our first-round pick. I know how we might go, huh, maybe I trade back a little bit. I get even more capital. Who knows? But, I've, of course, that's all going to play out over the next month and a half or so. But I, I'm just – I'm wondering. I'm wondering where, where you know, what this team's going to look like just because, you know, we're losing the guys that made this season what it was on the defensive end of the football, which is just kind of – it's a bummer, especially because CJ's like – I mean, he came in. It was like getting Jimmy Butler. I was like, oh, my God, we got this guy. We got, we, we got a straight dog in the building. That's great. And then when I thought, you know, it was all, he was going to be back for a while, obviously didn't materialize or – you know, of course, like you said, something might happen down the line, but as it stands, just, well, you know, heartbreaking. And then we got Marcus Epps on the outs, too, which is just like, okay, what are we going to keep him? How much is he going to get paid? Like, both our linebackers. Like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck? Obviously, I have faith in Howie Roseman. People saying, oh, fuck you, Howie, for not giving three guys 
you know, top five salaries in the league at their position. Like, can't blame him for that. And I can't blame CJ for wanting to bag because he fucking earned it the way he played, even with the injury. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is one of the ones uh, you know, CJ leaving like this is possibly leaving like this. He might come back. You never know. Uh, not really that surprising in hindsight. Uh, still was like mm-hmm. a gut punch. But like looking back at it, it's like you had Reed Blankenship step up and play, I think, very well in his absence. Um, and he's going to cost significantly less money. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the player that CJ is. Don't get me wrong. Um, but from a, like, you got to pay Jalen Hurts a lot of money. Like, from, like, a, co- a cost value add, you can you can t- see Howie making that decision as a businessman. Uh, couple that with the fact that I think from what I've read, and I'm not a, I'm not a draft guy. I could be wrong. From everything I'm reading is that this is like one of like the best secondary draft classes that we've seen in recent years, where it was sort of like sort of like how like you know the year that we got Devonta oh, yeah. Devonte Smith like like you're like that for wide receivers only it's that for the secondary like it kind of feels like you can't really miss on anybody in this draft class. So I I mean. Again, one of those things was not that surprising to like let him test the waters and hey, if somebody throws a bunch of money at, good for you. Um, Yeah, it's it 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 is kind of like really does honestly bring the Super Bowl loss into stark relief and be like, man, this really was our one shot to win it with all these guys, and it's over now. You know, you just gotta hope hope they can figure something out for next year and hey man they were in rough shape after the Carson Wentz contract and they got back very quickly so I'd say we're in better shape now than we were in 2020 so I there's no reason to be doom and gloom but at the same time like it just stinks sucks you you don't like to see guys like that it does suck but I think this is, I mean, this is the reality of the NFL when you sign a quarterback, right? Like, you're going to have to draft well. You're going to have to find the bargains on the open market. And that's just, that's how you're going to have to build your team throughout these next however many years of Jalen Hurts here, making upwards of $45 million a year. You're going to have to, that's just how you're going to have to build your team. You're not going to be able to go out and get those C.J. Gardner-Johnsons or James Bradbury's on one-year contracts and then go all in so to speak um but as far as like the the outlook to even next season obviously we still have a long way to go we're gonna add guys in free agency obviously the draft we have two first round picks you know we're gonna add starters through that alone um i don't think it's dire straits for for the eagles even if they do lose those three guys like i know a lot of people are kind of I mean, I've already seen people be like, what's Howie doing? What's, you know, it's too much. Yeah. Look, at at the end of the day, it's fun to, it's fun to be mad at Howie. It is fun. It is fun. Tale as old as time. I like yelling at him. Tale as old as time. You said it, I, you know, I said it last week. I want to be angry again. 
I don't want to be angry at the Eagles. I really like when the Eagles make me happy. So if I can be optimistic, when I look at this, I see losing potentially two starters on offense, and that's it. And the one guy is Miles Sanders, who's probably the least – I mean, he is the least valuable skill position player on our offense. I mean, any running back is. But Miles Sanders, he's replaceable. Like, I love him, replaceable. He's not worth $10 million a year. He's and now his watch has ended. Yeah. And he did well. Like, you can go get a guy like Alexander <laughs> Madison or Don, Deontay Foreman for, like, 3 to $4 million a year, and you'll be just fine. Um, maybe we'll Damn. even trade for Derrick Henry because that no. seems to say – that seems what people think. But maybe we'll talk about that later. I'm not, I, <laughs> That's fucking no. insane. Not going to happen. Christ. Let's not. All right. Let's, let's not go we'll, down we'll that rabbit hole. Save that let's for not go down something. there. A rainy day. We'll say that more for a rainy day. But, yeah. We're like five minutes from now. But <laughs> so, we can't help ourselves and go down and, the rabbit hole. And, you know, Miles Sanders, like, we all know, you can get – we could use our fourth-round pick on a running back, and he could come in and run for 1,000 yards. That's just how the running back position is, you know? I mean, you look at – I always – for anyone that has suggested the Eagles take a running back in the first round, I just ask them to look at the team we just lost to in the Super Bowl. They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round after they won their first Super Bowl as, like, a luxury pick. They're like, oh, we can just get a running back in the first round because we, we just won the Super Bowl. We don't have any other needs. Um, and their best running back was a seventh-round rookie this year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't even fucking play. Isaiah Pachenko is a seventh-round pick this year and he, was uh, his... running people over in the Super Bowl and is clearly their running back one moving forward. It was unreal, his so, performance in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's that's – all I that's all I say to people that want to draft a running back at tenth or thirtieth, or want to pay Miles Sanders a shit ton of money. Look, the, like the offensive line is the more important part. We all know that. Um, Isaac Sayamalu, good guard, really good guard, probably the most underrated guard or underrated player on our entire team because he just doesn't get mentioned because he's in you know he his the entire offensive line is all stars so he gets overlooked a lot. But you drafted Cam Jurgens last year. He could probably slide in the guard for a year until Jason Kelsey's done, and then you figure out the guard situation. You can also find a guard late in the draft and have Jeff Statlin work his magic. You know, like that's pretty much how I view the offensive line. So I'm not like, in terms of guys losing guys offensively, we're good. The offense is going to be intact. Sirianni's still there. I know you have a different OC, but it was a guy that was in the building who's been with Jalen Hurts for years, who could even potentially add more creative wrinkles to the offense to maybe just make it a little bit more efficient where we're not big play reliant or we're not just running RPOs a lot of the time. Like, there's room for creativity there. So I think the offense is relatively going to be intact, going to be fine. And then defensively, yeah, I mean, you're losing a lot of guys. But like you said, Frank, this is a loaded draft in the secondary. I think 10th overall, I'm looking best corner, and I'm getting the long-term replacement at corner because Darius Slay is going to be gone soon too. So you get a long-term corner. I think you're okay there. He starts from day one. Safety, it's one of those positions where it's like you kind of can just find a guy. I mean, Marcus Epps is a seventh-round pick. And we – You can convert a linebacker to safety if you're being honest. I mean, we just picked C.J. Gardner-Johnson up for like what? What did we trade, like a fourth-round pick for him? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we just got – and he wasn't even a safety. Yeah. He was a nickel corner in New Orleans. So, we just picked him up, trans, transitioned him to safety, 
had a really good year, and now he wants to get paid like, you know, fifteen million a year. Like, they can do that again, and there are plenty of safeties that you can find in later rounds to come in and step in. And honestly, I think they'll be able to keep one of them. Like, I don't think Epps is going to leave. I really don't. I think if CJ walks, you'll be able to keep Epps. Reed Blankenship had a good season. And I think you'll be okay there. Let it ride. And then at linebacker, look, I think you uh, it's the same thing. Like, I don't think you're going to lose both of them. Plus, you have N'Kobe Dean coming up. So, we're all N'Kobe Dean fans. I think N'Kobe Dean should have played this year. And, I mean, maybe he's the next great backer. Who knows? I think he really does have potential to be a great, I would say yes. a great player Absolutely. for us. So, you're going to have him on a rookie deal for the next – no way a exactly. guy with the name next exactly. has and to be good. Great. Like, you're yeah. going to have him on a rookie deal for three years, so you're not going to have to worry about paying there at the linebacker position, something Howie doesn't really want to do. And the defensive line, you're losing old guys. You're going to lose Fletcher Cox. He's old. He's old now. He's going to get a bag somewhere. Javon Hargrave going to turn 30, right? And the thing is with Javon Hargrave, it's like the Eagles always do a good job of finding those guys who are just like kind of under the radar. And then they are sending them off to get paid $20 million a year. Javon Hargrave, when he came here, was a nose tackle who had never gotten over three sacks in a season. Now he perennially gets 10 sacks a season and is considered one of the best pass-rushing D-tackles in the sport. So they do a good job at finding these guys and plugging them in and being able to work that, and I think they can still do that even with you know the contract that's coming up. Because I know that – I mean, they signed Hargrave when Wentz was under contract. So – you know, you can find those guys where you're paying, you know, an average salary to them where they're still having a big impact. And then, obviously, you have Jordan Davis. You still have Jordan Davis there. You have to hope that he steps up and plays up to his potential. Milton Williams, still on a rookie contract. I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, and then, I mean, defensive ends, you're pretty much set. I mean, if Brandon Grant comes back and you still have Reddick and Sweat for the next couple of years, you're pretty solid. And you're probably going to draft a guy maybe at 30th overall, maybe even at 10th overall if a guy falls. Um, and you're going to make do. It's all going to be all right, even if we do lose these guys. I'm not like – it sucks because they didn't win the big one, and it would have been really great to see this team win that. It, it's similar to 2017. We lost a lot of guys from that team too. You know, like Eric Blunt was a one-year guy. Torrey Smith, same deal. Um, there's a lot of those. And it's just nice because they won it that year. This year they didn't. They're still going to lose the same amount of guys. But I do think Howie Roseman has gotten a lot better at drafting. And I think that's really the key in building this thing up to be sustainable long term. Like, we already know what he can do when he has a rookie a rookie deal at, on the quarterback position, right? Like, we've seen him do it twice where he's built a Super Bowl roster. Um, now – has he learned from his mistakes with the Wentz thing? And will he draft well, right? Like – Carson Wentz imploded on his own. Like I'm not, I'm not putting any blame on Howie, but Howie also did spend a first round pick on Jalen Rager. Okay, you know, he and did. he did do that. So you you got it. Like you have to draft well, and they didn't really draft well during the Carson Wentz era. They just didn't. But ever since then, they have Devontae Smith. Uh, that one, I mean, what was that? 20, 2021, Devontae Smith, Kenny Gainwell, Landon Dickerson. Um, I'm th- I feel like I'm missing a guy, but you got three starters right there. And then this year, I mean, 
Jordan Davis, Jurgens, and Dean are probably all going to be starters next year, and I think they're all pretty solid. So, look, if you can just get three starters to draft, you're pretty damn good. You're going to be a pretty damn good team for a pretty long time because you're just going to have guys on rookie deals, and, yeah, you'll eventually have to pay them, but when the time comes, the time comes, and you just, re, you just reload. And, you know, I have faith that Howie can do it. I do. I think he's learned from his mistakes, and he's drafted better recently. So, as long as you keep drafting well, you still got two first-round picks. That's still huge for a team coming off a Super Bowl loss. Um, I think everything's going to be all right. I do. I think we're going to be okay. We're still going to be the best team in the NFC East. We're still going to win the division. I mean, thank like just if you ever are like questioning Howie, just take a look at what the New York Giants are doing. And the fact that they're paying Daniel Jones $40 million a year for the next two years. And now they have to pay Saquon $10 million. And they have no room for improvement whatsoever. And their roster still sucks. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to pay our quarterback 45 to $50 million a year. And we're still going to have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And the best offensive line in the football. So, how he's doing all right, guys. He's doing all right. For anyone that has any doubts, he's doing all right. This will all figure itself out. And we're going to be good next year. It's going to be fine. It's all going to be good. I like that outlook there because we are kind of staring down the face of, uh, you know, uncertainty on one side of the football for sure. But there are like you said, a lot of guys that we have in the building that, you know, we should have faith into, you know, either take a next step or just fill in a role nicely. And I mean, ideally, Howie Roseman, you know, knocks the draft out of the park, but nobody has a perfect drafting record. So it, it it's definitely something that will remain to be seen, but I have confidence in the Eagles to be able to figure it out. I mean, we were in dire straits a few years ago, and and we made it back to the bowl, not with no issue, but you know, just with making some you know new quarterback, of course, but just you know one off season, one fell swoop, really put together a special football team. So I'm not going to say we're going to just do that all over again, but uh, definitely have faith in our continued success as a franchise. I mean, the Eagles are the class of the NFC. I think everybody knows this, uh, and they're going to continue to be, especially, you know, if Harry Roseman c- can keep this prolific run-up of team building. It's been unreal. Yeah, there's no reason to doubt Howie Roseman and his ability to build a team at this point. Um, I, heck, I mean, talking about the Carson Wentz era and – his ability to build a team going back to then. Jordan Mailata was a seventh-round pick, and now he's one of the premier left tackles in the NFL. That is one of the most important positions on the field, and you know, plucked from absolute obscurity. Howie Roseman knows stuff about football, the, about guys that are going to be available in this draft and are coming up in free agency. I mean... Regardless of whatever the initial plan may or may not be, there's no reason to panic. There's nothing about the front office of this team that would lead you to believe that there's going to be some kind of a dumpster fire in our near future. Uh, Not to say that won't happen. You never know. Anything's possible. But, I mean, even if you look at our guys that have come from our front office, like Joe Douglas goes up to New York and now with the Jets and Look how well they've done the past few years in the draft. Like, I'm not worried about free agents leaving. It sucks on, like, a human level, but 
I I have I have total confidence that we'll be able to you know excel in this season coming up. Yeah, we should because I I mean not only I mean when you look at every NFL franchise, really the big the big three is what matters the most, and the big three is the head coach, GM, quarterback. High Roseman is the top five GM, if not the best GM in football. Um, Nick Sirianni has cemented himself as one of the best young coaches in the league. And Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the conference and a top five guy in the league. So you're pretty good. You're doing all right. And like I said, it's not like Jalen Hurts is going to lose all of his weapons. He's not. Like, that would that would scare me. If we had to lose, like, Devontae and AJ this year, then I would be worried. I'd be, be much more worried. If the offensive line was going to be completely that would be very taken troublesome. apart, I would be very worried. But we know Jeff Statlin's a great offensive line coach. You can kind of plug guys in there and just let it roll. That's kind of how it's been the entire time he's been there. He's developed pretty much every lineman he's got his hands on into a serviceable guy. Um, and then, like, not counting on Andre, hey, Andre Dillard. Dillard's had his moments. All right, he's had his moments. He just didn't. He just didn't. I'm just, he just being didn't a realize jerk. He's fine. Was, you know, a fucking prodigy. I, you know, I don't think anyone really did at the at the time. Um, Nobody knew that. But yeah, like we don't even know who's leaving yet. You know, like free agency hasn't even technically started. A lot of these are just rumors, and you know, by this time next week, hey, maybe C.J. Gardner Johnson is signed. You know, what I mean, maybe he is. And then look, and then it's like, oh, well. He is staying, you know, like there are going to be guys that you won't be expecting to sign with us that will. Like Isaac Sayamalu, if we let those three defensive guys leave, I mean, why wouldn't the Eagles want to go and sign Sayamalu then? You know, like he's only 27. I can think of a reason why. I, I literally all I can think of is he was responsible for yeah. the false start in the Super Bowl that led to – Jalen Hurts fumble that was returned for a touchdown. If he didn't flinch, we'd be Super Bowl champions butterfly right effect. now. That was tough. That was a pretty instant butterfly effect. That was tough. So <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if I can look at him. I don't know if I can if I can see that man. Honestly, though, no, he's a very good guard and you know, if yeah. they can yeah. resign, well, hey, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of. I mean, you go, you won't even go as far back as last off season. I mean, shit. Allen Robinson was our first choice as a wide receiver. One. Jesus Christ. That was our first choice, but we've uh, he he turned us down. He said no to us. We won. Go fuck yourself, Allen Robinson. He, went, he was like, I'm gonna go. I'm actually I'm gonna go win a, a Super Bowl in L. A. Yeah. Okay. Go, yeah, go they win. already did that without you. Good one, you fuck. You know, see, <laughs> the butterfly effect works both ways. We yeah, missed on Allen Robinson and then fucking got A.J. Brown. Like, Allen Robinson missed on us. You know, it worked itself out. Sometimes it always does. You know, <laughs> maybe we don't re-sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but maybe we draft the next fucking Ed Reed at 10th overall. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what happens. You never know. Maybe we don't sign James Bradbury, but, hey, Darrell Revis, Darrell Revis' second coming is there at 10th or 30th overall. You never know. You really never know. Um, that's why it's so important. And that's why, like, for anyone, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, linger on this point too long, but for anyone that actually thinks the Eagles should draft a running back at 10th or 30th overall, 
just see yourself out because that just is stupid as fuck. I don't care about Bijan Robinson or any of the other fucking dudes. Uh, what's the uh, what's the guy from uh, Alabama Gibbs or something? I forget his name. Who cares? They're all exciting. They're all fun to watch. They definitely are. But running backs don't win championships. Everyone knows that. And if you draft a running back in the first round, you're just a stupid franchise. You're just dumb. Look at everyone that does it. It was the Cowboys and the Giants, and they're both a joke of a franchise. You know. And now the fucking Cowboys are franchise tagging Tony Pollard, and they have. They still have Zeke on a fifteen to seventeen million dollar deal. <laughs> They're tagging Tony Pollard. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They already. What yeah. The fuck? They already. Yeah. Did. They don't know what they're doing. They, they did, did that. that. Yeah. The deadline did pay. Yeah. It's, it's over. A, it's wow. wow. So that's I what I'm like saying. Tony like, you. For anyone that wants to draft a running back in the first round, just please reevaluate your thinking. Like it would be fun. It would be so fun to have Bijan Robinson and the in the backfield. I get that. It would be fun to have Derrick Henry. Yeah, let's go trade a fucking second-round pick for fucking 30-year-old Derrick Henry. No. He's probably going to fall off a cliff soon and only has one year left on his contract. And let's pay him $10 million. Let's That money that we were going to give to C.J. Garner, let's give it to Derrick Henry. Let's give it to a fucking – no. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't – go get Alexander Madison or some random guy who's still 25, 26, who has tread on the tires that he can sign – He's have him and Kenny Gainwell. And then, you know what? Fuck it. Bring Boston Scott back. I know he's a pending free agent, but you could probably bring him back for something. Max him bring, out. Bring him back. Bring him back for $2 million a year. You know what I mean? Bring him yeah. back, and you're fine. And you're fine. So, yeah. That's my – I guess that's my my closing argument on, on the Eagles offseason. Just don't draft a running back in the first round. I will have – so if we do that, then I will be ringing the alarms because that is just – you just don't do it. You just you, you don't, especially when you have needs. Ten. Especially when you have needs. You know what I mean? Like the Eagles have needs. We know they do. They. I mean, I would rather take another defensive tackle in the first round than taking a fucking running back. It's I want just, two defensive players in the first round. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you probably. Sh- I mean, you you probably should, unless you're gonna, you know, maybe maybe like a wide receiver at thirty. Maybe if they're maybe. really serious about not keeping Quez after this year, which is also maybe he's gone. But I'm he's serious not, about not it. an actual free agent, but he would save cap space if we cut him. Cut um, his ass. So like maybe a guy there, right? Like that would be okay. But yeah, I mean, defense is going to need the most work, and I expect them to, you know, and I expect them to sign. hundred percent. I really do. Like even like if they don't sign. Like, the thing is, is everyone talks about the Jalen Hurst contract, and it's true it's going to hurt long-term. But that extension don't kick in until next year. So, like, we still have cap space. If you restructure Slay and Lane Johnson and then make a couple of other moves here and there, maybe restructure Jake Elliott a little bit, you're going to have, like, 30 to $35 million in cap space to work with. Like, that's more than enough to go get a bunch of guys, you know. Like, if, if Bradbury it would cost you $15 million a year – you can get three players for five million a year. There, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's it goes back to my point where the Eagles are really good at finding the talent that really fits what they want to do and getting them before they really hit their peak or they hit like they're just entering their prime, but they really haven't had the production to like back up getting a good contract yet. And the Eagles are really good at that, and I think they'll be able to find guys this off season too. Um, so yeah, next week's free agency. I'm excited. 
We should probably we'll, we should record Wednesday again next week too, since free agency starts on Wednesday. You know, yeah. get 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 all the get a quick yeah. You know, I'm sure there will probably be news actually happening during our. There will probably be signings that happen late at night, but that will be fun. We'll we'll react. We'll react live. We'll have like a live yeah, feed we'll all going. day, all fucking day. I have the Adam Chef. Uh, I turned my Adam Schefter notifications on during free agency last year, so and they've been on ever since. And I'm oh sure God. they're they're gonna come hot and heavy. Get those beer can brand odies on, bro. Join the wave. <laughs> I should. I should. Ah oh, man, I'm 100% turning on notifications for the guys that just type exactly what Adam Schefter says, Adam and then Sch- say per <laughs> at Adam Schefter. Yeah, like that's my favorite. Yeah, they are yeah. Krell, you know. I'm getting Krell notifications. Like I love those on. guys. Those guys, I'm man. Um, <laughs> uh, there's the one guy, Dove Kleiman. Oh man, he's the best. He he just literally types everything. Like he has everybody's notifications on, just retypes it for you. It's all I like right when there. Asking I don't need to put anybody else's notifications on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because he doesn't know how to. <laughs> He doesn't know Which how, to how you know he's paste. doing it himself. So he's just—he's got one up on this computer yes. and the other on the phone. He's typing like this, probably. <laughs> Everyone's a goddamn reporter. During and for code, I would imagine. Yeah, everyone's a goddamn reporter. I love it. Um, any final thoughts here, guys, before we close out this episode? I guess you know. Mainly, I really wish my mouth wasn't dry when I tried to say <laughs> Nicobe Dean about like twenty minutes ago. Because that was humiliating and <laughs> bad. You need a wet mouth to say you need the name Nicobe Dean. Function there, yeah. You can't uh, have anything getting stuck up. Yeah, you need you need a lot of spit to say Nicobe Dean. You gotta have the jaw ready. It's a it's a Nicobe Dean. Yeah, that would be a good name to say. Like you know, like when singers like go out or like. Public speakers, they like say certain things, that, like really like enunciate shit. Like, oh yeah, Kobe Dean. Like that's Nicole a good B. one. To, like, like look yourself in the mirror and just like really enunciate it. You know Red I mean? leather, yellow leather. The yeah. arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> the the arsonist, <laughs> Dean. The human torch was denied <laughs> a bank loan. Yeah, I think that I think that's good. I think no, that's I think that's good, good as well. Um. So you are forgiven, Frank. Yeah. You are forgiven. Uh, the, council, the council has Thank decided you, you will you. not pay for these crimes. <laughs> live um, to fight another day. Yeah, you, you'll live. We'll see you on next week's episode. <laughs> Let's um, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of Grease the Polls. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, thelibertyline.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on social media at Grease Polls Pod on Twitter and TikTok. And once again, everyone, thank you for listening. Let's go Sixers. Go, Sixers. go Sixers. Yep.